Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. As Ontario slowly emerges from the pandemic, the role of health services in Northumberland will begin to change. On this week's show, there are two interviews about how those services will be shifting. The first is an interview with Chris Bailey, the chair of the board for the Northumberland Community Counseling Centre. It just announced it will be closing at the end of the month. It provides mental health services for about 1,000 people a year, mostly free of charge. Bailey said it will be devastating to the community, but it has a plan to save the service, but everything is hanging in the balance as the provincial government decides its future. I'm so pleased to have with me today Chris Bailey, Chair of the Board of Directors for the Northumberland Community Counseling Centre. Welcome to Consider This. Thank you, Rob, and thank you for having me on again. As you said, it's been just over a year, and uh, I'm glad you reached out to us at this time. The Centre announced it would be shutting its doors at the end of July. Can you tell me what happened? Yes, this is a complicated story. Um, So we did send out a notice this week just letting our community know that we will probably be shutting our doors July 31st unless some um, other things occur. The long and short of it is that the pandemic took its toll on our agency. We're small. We bring in just over $400,000. And uh, we lost almost $60,000 of fundraising because we couldn't have our fundraiser. And March, in March, uh, we looked at our finances and um, our board met, and we realized that we could not sustain another even six to eight months of pandemic. And um, so we voted that we would um, cease operations this year because it was an unsustainable model. But we didn't just say, okay, we're not doing this anymore. We pursued a proposal um, for merger of services and then eventually relinquishing all control to Community Counseling and Resource Centre of Peterborough. They, too, are a Family Service Ontario organization, offer the same services as we do, have the same qualified staff. They do it for the Peterborough area. And only they're five times larger, and they've been able to withstand the pandemic um, much better. And they would provide the proper financial and administrative infrastructure and offer to keep our own staff in place and in the building and run it as a satellite operation. And so that was our proposal. And we thought, this is a fabulous solution, a change in management. And uh, it's like uh, giving up a child that you love to a foster family um, (laughs) or for adoption because you know they can do better with it. And so this is what we pursued and thought that is such a, a good proposal made good mental health planning sense because the same clients would be served by the same people. There would be no 
um, discontinuity. But um, two of our large um, sources of income come from the ministry, two ministries, and they told us that they had to retender our contracts rather than, and were unable just to hand it over to CCRC. And so that's what we have been waiting for. Um, and we still don't know the outcome. Um, CCRC, or Community Counseling Resource Centre, has applied for both of those contracts. And we were told that they will hear this week for one contract and uh, the fir first week of July for the second as to whether they were successful in getting them. The reason it's so critical is that you need almost all three uh, sources of income. The third being Northumberland United Way, who have been amazingly supportive and flexible and saw the proposal and took it to their board and thought it was a good idea. But we need all three legs, it's like a three-legged stool, to have the critical mass to keep the doors open of that agency. And uh, so that's why um, it's quite critical that CCRC be able to obtain those um, two other contracts. So that's that's sort of the the long side of it. We are still hopeful that CCRC will get the contracts, and in, and we have been working very closely with them constantly over the last uh, twelve weeks almost now, um, and it'll be a smooth transition. Our staff um, want to work for them. And they want to retain our staff, and it, it would be a win-win situation. So why did you send out a letter then to say that you were going to close if there's this lifeboat that's sitting there that is, is waiting yeah. to take you uh, and to, to keep this important service in our community? Well, I had to send something out because people know about it and we're starting to talk about it. And when there's a gap of information, they fill in things. So lots of our clients had heard because it was mentioned at different planning tables in the ministry too, and planning bodies mentioned it. And so it was out there. And so uh, we decided that we should let people know that, yes, this is a likely scenario. And, and in the letter, I did say we are still hopeful that we can still you know, um, accomplish part or all of this proposal and that uh, NCC uh, would turn into a satellite office. Either way, NCC, as we are, will cease to exist because we will dissolve July 31st. We've already um, commenced doing that and we've given up the contracts. So it is correct. NCC, as it is right now, will cease July 31st. We are hopeful that the building, the staff, the clients will just be a satellite of CCRC if they are successful in getting those contracts. I'd like to put this into context within the mental health community because uh, there's always been in our area um, concern around the amount of mental health services that we have available locally. And for a very long time, it was that you had to go out of uh, our area to get mental health services. And then over the years, it has been building up. There's been uh, through the hospital, there's some, some services, there's uh, some private counselors, there's, there's, there are different places where you can go. What role does your organization play within the context of the overarching mental health services in our region? Our role is uh, quite important. It fills a gap. Um, 
where we see families and couples and individuals who may not necessarily qualify um, for care with the hospital outpatient service and who may be also waiting a, a while for uh, services from Kinark. Um, so, but we do primary mental health care. Our specialty is trauma work and no one else in um, our area really has the, the um, trained staff that we do to do the trauma work that we do with both, um, oh, with everyone, men, women, and children. So, and as a family service organization of Ontario, our mission is to provide professional and affordable mental health counseling to anyone, regardless of their ability to pay. So many, many of our clients paid nothing. And that's the gap we feel we, we uh, fill because private practice um, practitioners, of course, they can deliver some of the services, but you know, um, most of our clients would not be able to afford to go there. We have a sliding scale, and it begins at zero and it ends at one hundred and twenty-five dollars an hour. And the majority of our clients are at one or at um, zero, at eight dollars, maybe twenty-four dollars an hour. And they get top-notch counseling, so that's what—that's the role that we we fill. And probably more importantly is that we do couples counseling and family therapy, and that's preventive, in addition to being, um, you know, therapeutic and reactive to a situation. And I think a lot of the work that we've been doing has has prevented um, more more pain in these families. How many people do you serve annually? We see approximately a thousand people a year, which is huge. And um, the majority of those are through the United Way funded community counseling program for which we are quite well known. That's trauma, couples, individual, and we do uh, kids as well who have had trauma. And then we also um, see a, approximately 75, um, usually men, mainly men, in the Partner Assault Program, which is nice because when we run them through the program, they it's a mandatory program. But at the end, they realize that they need help too. And, and usually three or four in each of the 25 uh, member group come for additional trauma therapy for themselves. So, And then we uh, also are a Violence Against Women um, an agency that concentrates on that, and we have seen many, many children and women who have experienced extreme violence. And, and it's more than supportive counseling, what we do. It's, it's therapeutic. It's therapy that we provide, the trauma therapy. This lifeboat that you're hoping will arrive uh, from Peterborough, there are also a number of other factors that are are working into this, and and it it needs support on a lot of levels. Have you spoken to uh, our MPP David Puccini about this, and and what level of support is he providing? I contacted David Puccini with a proposal um, a number of weeks ago, a couple months ago actually, at the beginning, and. 
because he was so active in mental health and he had actually invited our agency to sit at the table when he was talking about it. And I wrote lots of, um, you know, notes for him that I thought this is how we could improve the, the uh, area. And he, you know, and he seemed that he was interested. I thought that he would say, Hey, you know, what can I, what can I do to help you here? Or we can't lose you or something like that. And he was not supportive of the proposal. He, um, was afraid that it would be seen as, I think he, the term he used, hemorrhaging of dollars out of our area into Peterborough because the receiving agency, CCRC, is Peterborough-based. Um, and I, I kept saying, but the services and the, cli- the clients and the staff are, are here. Um, all that changes is head office is in Peterborough. And uh, he disagreed with that. Um, and I had other people, I, I know other people also advocated for us, you know, way went in there and tried to, um, you know, help them understand. I know S- Susan Wells, who the executive director of Family Services Ontario, over the 50 plus agencies that um, form our alliance. She contacted him and uh, we heard nothing back. So there was no support there. And I don't, you know, I don't know what else happened. Have not heard he's ever gotten back to us. It was disappointing. Are you part of the Ontario Health Team Northumberland, that coalition of health services that are offered locally? Um, We aren't right now. We haven't been for the last year. We were before. We were um, before um, I needed to take over last year when we lost our executive director. They were active. Janet Irvin was uh, active with that group. Last year was a survival year for us, so we didn't have a lot of um, um, time to um, do a lot of that work. I, I guess what I, I'm getting at is the the level of support locally um, doesn't seem to be all that great. And I know historically that um, in the past, um, the center has has struggled to to find uh, financing. I mean, uh, the previous executive director had had gone around to talk to municipalities and um, both uh, the lower tier and uh, Northumberland County. Um, why is it that these uh, various levels or these organizations um, don't fund you guys? Well, local organizations don't fund us like other agencies. They're trying for funding themselves. Uh, we once did have uh, municipal uh, funding from Northumberland. Um, it was some years ago, and um, we lost that funding. I think it was almost $30,000 a year. And then they hired their own, I think, a social worker to do the work um, that we were doing. Um, so I'm not sure, Rob. Um, we we try to sit at the tables. Uh, the board members are all new. I don't know the history. Um, but I know that we probably needed more mental health dollars to do the work that we were doing. We relied totally on United Way, and uh, they were they were wonderful. They increased our amount um, last year. So we ran a very um, tight and organized um, service and saw a lot of people on not very much, many dollars. And... Uh, so I let's think that's a good thing. Let's put a fine point on it then. How how much money do you need to operate and where do those monies come from right now? 
Um, well, right now, um, we just finished our audit. We brought in just over $430,000 last year. 233 of those dollars are coming from the Ministry of Children and Community and Social Services, and that's for um, the VAW work, the Child Witness and Child Trauma Program. Um, another 60000 comes from the Ministry of the Attorney General. That's to run the Partner Assault Response Program. And then um, we received $85,000 from United Way to run the Community Counseling Program. The rest is fundraised by us. We had a gala two years in a row that brought in money, but we couldn't do that again. And uh, so that's that's where we're at. So what's the actual that's, gap that, that you need to fill to, to balance the budget? Oh, you mean if we were to continue operating this year, we would probably need um, at least $60,000 um, just to offset the fundraising, just to be at the level that we were at last year. And that's running a very trim ship. But the problem is, is that... Um, the agency has um, been unable to hire an ED. Um, it's really a full-time job, and uh, we've always had a part-time ED. Last year, um, I stepped in off the board for what I thought was going to be a couple of months just while we, while we got things going again, and I ended up being there eight months. Um, and I, I worked for free, which helped us, you know, right the ship and get us okay financially for last year but also got us to the point that we realized that unless we get somebody who's qualified and works for free, we're, we're unsustainable, which is why we looked for another agency with the infrastructure to provide the management so that we could focus just on providing the clinical services. But in the short term, it really comes down to $60,000 and, and that it's been pandemic-driven. If you, it had yeah. been no pandemic, you would have held your fundraiser and hopefully you would have raised the monies that you needed and you could have continued on. So Absolutely. we're talking in the short term for $60,000. I mean, the larger issues of governance and, and, and having an executive director obviously are, are larger problems uh, that would, could be addressed differently. But in the short term, in, as far as listeners are concerned, what we're really talking about here is $60,000 to, to get you through uh, another fiscal year so that you can continue to locally provide and locally run this service. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes. If we had 60000 we this board would have just said, okay, we're going to do this, and we would have um, carried on for another year. Yes, you're right. It's not very much money, is it? Do you have any other community champions? We do. Um, we have a, an advisory group um, of uh, four or five individuals who I think um, – you know, do a lot for us. Um, not all of them want to be named, but uh, yes, we do. We have people who um, help us out quite a bit. You and I talked just over a year ago, and at that time, there was a real demand for services. It was at the just after the beginning of the pandemic. We had gone through the first wave, and you identified a lot of concerns around the impact of the pandemic on the mental health of people living in Northumberland. You were seeing it in your clients. And 
while there hadn't been an overwhelming wave of people coming to see you at that point, you were concerned that uh, there would be more coming in the future. Can we just look back over the last year and what was the actual demand and how did the pandemic impact the level of service that you guys provide? Yes, uh, when we talked, I think it was in May, so our new year began April. So April and May were quite quiet. And that was the beginning of the pandemic. And I think people were just like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to see what this is all about. But as we got into June and then July and for the rest of the year and until now, people realized that I got to get I have to get services because I can't wait any longer. So our numbers did shoot up and we were very busy. And um, our agency tries to keep a a maximum of a three-week waiting list. And it got over that because we could not service people fast enough there for a while. We kept catching up and then we would, you know, hold it and then we would lose a little bit and we caught up again. Um, Yeah, our counselors were very busy. Um, I had to bring in somebody else and increase their hours just to keep us going. Luckily, I was able to uh, find that person. So it was very busy this year in the end, and it still is busy. So we are taking names, creating wait lists, and helping people find other services. Coming out of the pandemic, the demand for mental health services are expected to explode. In March, the Canadian Mental Health Association released the results of a survey saying 80% of Ontarians believe there will be a mental health crisis post-pandemic. What are your thoughts on that? I think we're already in the middle of a mental health crisis from the pandemic. It's just quiet right now. And people are suffering in silence and they don't even realize, you know, how they've been affected. And then suddenly they're triggered by something or, um, and as we open up, you see that, um, some people go, you know, I'm just going to, you know, it's over. I'm just going to do whatever. And others are saying, I'm not going out there. So you see a, a variety of different responses and you can also see it in, in how we're pitting one against the other we have our anti-masking group and then we have people who are against the anti-masking group and we haven't pulled together very well you know and supported one another and said okay everyone thinks something different let's just get through this together and i think that's a function of you know trauma and anxiety and and people are angry because they're scared and they don't know what to expect and and um they're afraid I I think we've all felt it, right? Um, So we don't know what to expect. I mean, now that almost everybody is supposed to have had their second shot, um, we'll see how, I think that will help because that may, at least you know you're not going to end up in ICU or die. But still, um, it changes how we do things. And people have been without people that they love and need to stay healthy for a long time and, and not around family members and have had things like funerals happen where they couldn't see people and use their usual supports. There's a lot of trauma that's silently brewing right now in our society. And and it's starting to ooze out, I think. It was interesting, too. The the survey mentioned that one-third of those who responded said that they were experiencing very high or high stress levels. And then nearly another third said that they're using more substances to cope, things like alcohol and cannabis and illegal drugs. 
when we talk about the level of mental health services and your role in that, are we prepared? Are we ready to manage this potential influx of demand for mental health services? I think Northumberland County is not prepared. Um, we don't even if we were running um, and we're larger. I think all of the agencies who, you know, all do a good job, will be swamped with what is about to start rolling out. So no, I don't think we're well prepared, and I also know that um, many of the support agencies don't have trauma therapists, and that's also important because you can actually make trauma worse, um, you know, by by older forms of therapy that we thought were good, like have, having people tell their stories can actually reinforce that trauma rather than letting it out like we used to believe as therapists, myself included, 20 years ago. Let them talk, but, you know, there, there's specific um, strategies and clinical protocols that professionals use, and uh, I don't think we have enough of those people in Northumberland County through nobody's fault. It just is that way. Yeah. I also wonder, too, that your agency, your uh, center, uh, serves a, a particular economic group that would not normally uh, have access. How, how serious is this? Can you put this into context for us so that we can understand just how significant this particular demographic is and that may not end up being served if this all closes down. Well, yes, of, of, let's say we have a thousand clients a year, probably close to 50, 60% of those individuals are people who could never afford, they don't have uh, work benefits, they don't have EAP services, they're underemployed themselves. And so, and they're paying, you know, almost zero to come to see us. And and many of them are also um, rurally based. They don't live in either in Coburg or Port Hope. They're living outside. And um, so that is a group that I do worry about very much. There's, they already have barriers. A lot of our um, clients don't even have a ride to come into town, which was interesting because that the, the pandemic and um, counseling by telephone was actually it made it easier for them. Because now it was accessible. Zoom wasn't often accessible because they didn't have data, but they could counsel by phone. So that actually improved, um, which was a, a good thing. So there is a sizable number of our clients who um, they need us to exist to get the level of counseling that they require. If someone's listening and would like to do something, what can they do? Honestly, Rob, at this point, I'm not sure. Um, we have advocated. We've worked with the ministries and um, with the MPP. I'm not sure what there is left to do. If uh, I mean, I don't think letters will do anything. They're, they're making the decisions on the contracts uh, this week and next. And so I, I, I think... We're at the end. It's it's quite late. Um, what I would like to see is if 
Community Counseling Resource Center of Peterborough does get some of the contract or does start or keep part of um, our agency running, that people support it um, with fundraising, um, by offering to be on the board, you know, support the new agency that might be coming in to continue on with the family service uh, services that we were providing. I think that's all that we can do at this point is hope that um, we can support them. Forgive me, but when I hear what you're saying, I wonder why the board or the organization didn't say something more publicly earlier about the financial straits. Why Why did it was it left to be at the last moment so that you're telling me now that there's nothing much that people can do? Why wasn't the community given an opportunity to help? Well, we didn't think that we were going to need help, to be honest. Um, when we first put our proposal forward, it made so much sense. We got so much positive feedback for it. We thought we were going to go ahead with that. And that was just a matter of um, adjusting contracts and um, making sure that uh, CCRC had enough uh, critical mass to be able to keep the doors open. We actually thought it was going to go forward because it made sense. So that was the first month or so. So that's you know, April, beginning of May, end of May. And then we heard that everything was going to you know, be put out to tender, and then we tried to advocate more for ourselves at that point, thinking, surely if we just speak to people, you know, they'll see the the um, merits of our proposal, and um, it just dragged out. And then the contract awarding process by the ministry is long, and they're following their protocol, and we respect that. So we got into that, and we got to this point where we are now um, one month away, possibly, from having to close. So what's what's next? Is there any other steps between now and the end of July? Um, well, it depends which way things go. So we'll hear about the two contracts in the next two weeks. At this point, our agency is starting transitional. Well, we've been do, doing transitional planning with um, Community Counseling Resource Centre about staff, about clients already, and see what they can take on and, and um, talking about different scenarios. If they get the money, it will be a very smooth transition. We're very similar. We use the same database systems. We have the same um, counselors and their professional credentialing and licensure. So that's that'll be very easy. If they don't get um, the contracts and they, they decide that they can't offer uh, and keep the doors open of the agency. They may look for um, a smaller place to open with only one or two staff. Um, that's all up in the air now. And so we will help them with that transition um, as much as possible. So, and then we, we continue to um, um, terminate services with our clients. We are meeting with everybody to... Um, see where they're at. A lot of our clients um, were ready to move on or felt that they could move on for now. And the newer clients, we were doing short-term solution-focused therapy to deal with the issues at hand coming, you know, mainly from pandemic and anxiety. And um, so we, we worked with those and they always knew that they would be, uh, you know, four to six sessions rather than an ongoing um, sort of therapeutic relationship. So that's where we're at. Uh, it depends what happens. We still don't know. 
Chris Bailey, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Oh, you're very welcome. That was Chris Bailey, chair of the board for the Northumberland Community Counseling Center. During the interview, Bailey referenced meetings with local MPP David Pacini. In an interview, Pacini confirmed that he had met with officials from the center. He said the matter lies with the Ministry of Children and Social Services, and he commended the efforts of the center and its proposal. However, he said the ministry must go through a formal process. Pacini said he cannot interfere with that process, but is confident the community will be well served once the ministry makes its announcements. You can hear Pacini's full response in an interview posted to the show's website at www.consider-this.ca. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.